Welcome to 5 Minutes in the Word. This is your daily podcast of Bible reading and insight into God's Word. We are continuing our study of the book of Esther. Still in chapter 8, looking at verses 9 and 10 in God's Word translation. The time between Haman's edict and Mordecai's edict is not specifically described. And also, the uh, narrative only describes about four, maybe five specific days since Esther originally learned about Haman's decree. And remember, when she heard about it from her cousin Mordecai, he said, don't think because you're in the palace, you are safe. What happens to us can happen to you because you also are a Jew. So, and also a significant period of time could have uh, passed between when Haman's edict was issued and when word reached Esther. So even though her cousin Mordecai told her about the edict, no one, the, uh, the scripture doesn't say how much time passed before Mordecai was able to get the word to her. And it also says that the execution of Haman probably did not occur on the same day as the king's order. But the king ordered it because he was infuriated by the thought that Haman would create such a plot that would include killing the queen. But let's listen to Esther chapter 8 verses 9 and 10 from the God's Word translation. It reads, at that time, on the 23rd day of Savan, the third month, the king's scribes were summoned. What Mordecai had ordered was written to the Jews and to the satraps, governors, and officers of the 127 provinces from India to Sudan. It was written to each province in its own script, to each people in their own language, and to the Jews in their own script and their own language. Mordecai wrote in King Xerxes' name and sealed the official documents with the king's signet ring. Then he sent them by messengers who rode special horses, bred for speed. Again, that's Esther chapter 8, verses 9 and 10, read from the God's Word translation, which gives this section a title Mordecai uses his position to save the Jews. I'll be back to share insights and we'll close with prayer. This is Hope Scott. I am your host of Five Minutes in the Word, a daily podcast which spends a few minutes exploring God's Word. Thanks for listening, subscribing, and following my podcast. You can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Good Pods, or wherever you hear podcasts. Also, please like and follow 5 Minutes in the Word on Facebook and Twitter. That again is Esther chapter 8, verses 9 and 10 in the God's Word translation. And in this section, uh, King Xerxes is allowing Mordecai, Mordecai to write a counter decree to get rid of, well, you remember you can't change the law 
of the Medes and Persians. So what is written has to stand. But he could write a counter decree. So the secretaries of states were the secretaries of state were ordered to attend and to draw up the new edict on the 23rd day of the third month, about two months after the announcement of the former decree, but nine months before the time set for its execution. And it was to be drawn and drawn up and published in every language represented in the in the provinces and I can just imagine because you know at our school every communication had to be in the languages that the parents spoke so we have a large population of Hispanics a large population of his uh, Vietnamese and English speakers so all of our everything we did had to go out in those three languages even if we did announcements that needed to be, you know, like the phone announcements. Everything had to be in a way that the parents or the person hearing could understand what was going on. So I can just imagine that the king had people from different areas, because I know when I had to make announcements for school, the kids would tell me, well, my parents don't speak like this. You know, if you listen to the little automated voices, it's like, my parents don't speak like this. They won't know what this thing is trying to tell me. So we would all sit together and try to uh, edit everything that we had to send out to the parents. So it made sense. But back to the commentaries. The king's scribes proceeded to write the edict according to Mordecai's command. And that was a, to reverse Haman's earlier command, of course, which was to annihilate the Jews, to kill the Jews. The manner in which the decrees goes, the decree goes to the provinces was very similar to the other decrees that were sent out in the book of Esther. The first one was when uh, Queen Vashti did not come to the um, drunken party, uh, to the party with the king, with all the drunken uh, men who were in, you know, the uh, partying with him she refused to come so he had an edict to the uh, to the wives to honor their husbands and the second was the one drawn up by Haman to annihilate the Jews so they used fast horses to get these uh, edicts out Savan uh, uh, is either May or June in 474 BC so it was the 23rd day of May or June, and it was 70 days after the original edict declaring the destruction of the Jewish people was issued. So that was 70 days. That's more than three months, really. 70 days. Almost three months. So it's more than two months. But it's 70 days um, after the original edict, and uh, it's the commentary says that the number 70 commonly indicates completion in the Old Testament. The new edict, edict gives the Jewish people in Susa about eight months to prepare to defend themselves. Those in the furthest parts of the empire from Susa would have four to five months to prepare by the time the edict reached them. 
So if you can imagine, especially those who watch Westerns, uh, people uh, traveling and bringing messages by horseback, you can just imagine how much time has passed. So they've had this edict by now. And they're looking at the fact that, you know, I could die on this day. And they'll find out, you know, um, they have four to five months to prepare. Again, let me get back on the, uh, back to the commentaries. And of course, the officials, the governors and the satraps were the same, and the officials were the same recipients of Haman's decree. India to Kush uh, emphasizes the vastness of the empire. So those horses had to be speedy to get that message across. Let's pray. Father, again, as we study your word, we thank you, Father. Thank you for um, insight, for understanding, for showing us how powerful you are, for uh, helping us to understand that things that seem impossible to us is not impossible to you. And God, as we continue to pray for the situation in the Ukraine, we can only pray according to what we hear on the news. We don't know except what we hear and what we see. So Heavenly Father, uh, show mercy to these people. Watch over the people of the Ukraine and protect them for all the weapons raised against them. And I know I prayed this yesterday. But God, you are a prayer-hearing God. And as we listen to especially Christian uh, leaders and leaders from like uh, the, my, the International Fellowship of uh, Christians and Jews, they're saying that, of course, that is the most important thing we can do right now is to pray. So, Father, we pray that you build a, build a shield around the Ukraine around the uh, people of the uh, Ukrainians and all of the, the people with uh, visas and the traveling students and people who are just there who are now, you know, have made the uh, Ukrainian their home. We pray for you to help them to be safe, Father. Don't let color be a barrier to them uh, getting to safety. As you place a shield around the uh, Ukraine, place your shield around the people of Ukraine. May every weapon thrown toward them be diffused supernaturally and rendered powerless in the name of Jesus. And God, we know you can do it because we've seen you do it before. So we know you can do it again. And we are praying, believing in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for spending time in God's Word with me. Be blessed.